Hi folks, I'm Alan Wharton. This is Cutting Through the Matrix on April the 17th, 2013. Now, newcomers, if you come into to this broadcast, you should look into the website cuttingthroughthematrix.com. Lots and lots and lots of audios for a free download where I go through the system and I go through into the, into the history of the big system we're living in and what, how it functions, how it was set up, who set it up, the organizations that founded foundations, big tax-free foundations, that literally form a parallel government and they lobby governments all the time, they advise governments across the whole planet on what to do with their policies and they bring, they bring in this global system. A global system too that's helped by academia which is also controlled by massive grant money from the big foundations who help set the policies of course and they hire Thousands, literally thousands across the world of NGOs, non-governmental organizations, which act as their armies for protesting various things or to get laws passed and so on. So we're run not by what we think is democracy, but by really private organizations and very, very powerful, incredibly wealthy. And uh, they have a definite set plan for over a 100 years. They've planned to bring in this, uh, this world society according to themselves, not for you, not to make you happy or hands across the sea and all that kind of stuff, but really to bring in a controlled society, a planned society, including population reduction and all of this kind of stuff. But two, they also uh, give you cultural revolutions as they change cultures to suit themselves, making us all pretty well dysfunctional down below, because all the, the original cultures have to be destroyed on the, in the process so it brings into the new system. And then we're at the mercy of what you'll call a very big government, indeed global government. And it's all helped too by private organizations as well, like corporations. It's a new feudal system as well, like IBM, big, big corporations that set the pace that everyone else follows, including the governments too. So help yourself to the website. Remember too, you bring me to you. You can help me take along by getting the books and discs at cuttingthroughthematrix.com where I go through the histories of conology. Conology is the greatest art of conning people and very, very ancient art indeed. M- more perfected today, especially with instant communication. Uh, everybody watches the same downloads of television and what they think is news across the whole world, the same stuff. We're educated as well through an international educational system that sets the curriculum and gives us an indoctrination. So, as I say, you get to understand how chronology works and how your mind belongs to other people and you're completely oblivious of them. I go into the histories of people, not just Bernays, they helped shape the culture in America, uh, but also across the world, but many more like him, far, far um, preceding him, in fact. Ancient techniques of chronology. So if you get the books and discs, remember from the US to Canada, you can still use personal checks. And if you go into cuttingthroughthematrix.com, you'll find out how to do it. And you can also use international postal money orders from the US to Canada, or send cash, or use PayPal. Across the world, Western Union MoneyGram and PayPal once again. Straight donations are seriously welcome, because I don't uh, bring on advertisers as guests. I don't have shares in anything I sell. And... Um, 
I don't bring on as I say, um, advertisers as guests who terrify you and then give you the solutions which they sell to you. And again, remember, fear is a tremendous promoter of wealth for those who are pushing it. And you have to be very, very cautious about that too. So if you don't understand the system you're in and where it's going and why things are happening, you won't understand anything at all. You can't live simply day by day waiting for the news to do your reasoning for you. You've got to do your reasoning for yourself. If you're really serious about it, that is most folk really pretty happy and quite content. And like Brzezinski said a long time ago in the 1970s, the public have come to, to expect the media to do their reasoning and their thinking for them. It's a sad thing, but it's true. Back with more after this. Hi folks, we're back cutting through the matrix and as I said before, don't let the media do your reasoning for you because those who control society and control your minds too because they own all the media, they own all your movies that you gobble up with with lots of predictive programming and so on and uh, they have big agendas at the top. Everything in this world runs like a pyramid with a capstone at the top, many layers down below it and then at the bottom you'll notice even on the dollar bill there's all the little weeds growing around it, that's the general population. That's what that means by the way, the weeds. They're not enlightened. And, of course, that's how it's, that we're all treated, basically, by those in charge and control. And you find, too, there are so many organizations in this pyramid, all working together, of course, and some of them have their own special interests along the way. But uh, you'll find that they, they, they really um, count on, on reactive thinking, reaction to things. And people react to news through emotion, etc. They react, but they don't think long term. And that's when they do all the polls, of course, even to do with the gun confiscation in the U.S. after the Sandy Hook shootings. They, they did the polls. Of course, it shot up immediately because of the, all the horror they saw continuously on television. And then, again, it drops again. All the support drops uh, as the people start to think about the long-term effects of this and who's really behind all this and who wants the people disarmed, basically. So... You can't really react on impulse, basically. You can't react on impulse to the news that you're being fed because there's many groups out there that want to 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 get their own way. They have, they have their own agendas for the population, as you understand. And even today, going through all the stuff on the Boston bombings, uh, there's so many conflicting stories at this moment, of course, coming out from the from various sources that traditionally each have their particular target that they're after, who's to blame for everything. And even in the Jerusalem papers, too, some of them have these dark-skinned guys running away, but everybody was running away. Uh, and then you go into uh, the ADL, and again, they're pushing various things about possibly homegrown uh, white extremists. That's your favorite target. And so everybody's got their own particular targets. And, it, and at the moment, we really don't know what's going on or who's behind this or anything else. No one's taking responsibility. And it might be some time before we do. And even then, we, don't, we can't know if it's true or not. Because patsies, it's true enough, patsies is an old, an old game of setting folk up as patsies. And it's quite easy to do in this modern day and age. So it's, and it's been done before, of course. So we can't really uh, just jump to conclusions as to what's happening. But again, two politicians will make uh, uh, hay, well, the sun shines, you might say, on the particular story as they push through many, many different laws on the books to once again reduce, uh, give more restrictions on the population's rights and so on. 
and not just in the U.S., because whenever it happens today, you'll notice that the U.S., Canada, uh, Britain, they all work together uh, in the European countries, too, on board on the same agendas. And so in the laws is passed, and, and one is passed, and all the rest at the same time. If you went to Britain, for instance, you can't walk anywhere without getting photographed with cameras. Nothing can happen in this day and age without being photographed. And it's the same with the Boston bombings. They know who did it, obviously, because every square inch is covered. Every square inch. And in every major event now, even the big football matches uh, and so on, they always have drills on the go at the same time. Lots of Homeland Security, FBI and all the rest of it, and all different special departments watching everything, filming everything that goes on. You can't get away with it unless it's meant to, you're meant to get away with it, obviously. And even the oldest movies on terrorism have always shown you uh, that bombs are left in these rucksacks and so on uh, on the ground. And here you have these things lying there, lots of cameras around, but nobody bothered to investigate. Rather odd, isn't it? Rather odd, that. It's too, too odd, actually. But that's all we can see at this moment. So tonight I'll put up a bunch of stuff. I'm sure you've all been looking into it all day long and watching TV. I don't watch television at all. And, uh, or you'll be getting it on the internet. And uh, I'll put a bunch of links up on Boston as to the, the, the pros and cons, the contradictions, or how they've arrested someone. Other ones later on said, no, they haven't arrested anybody. And so on and so on as we get fed scraps, basically. Uh, of information on the whole thing. So as I say, that's as far as I'll really go with it. And then, of course, you have the Ryzen thing coming out too. That, again, is an iffy thing because when you look into Ryzen uh, and made from the castor bean, uh, they also use Ryzen formulas to make certain papers and envelopes. Did you know that? So, I mean, when you've got the modern equipment, they can detect traces of this stuff. It can also get a lot of false positives as well. We simply don't know what's going on, except, again, the politicians will make hay of it to, to say, see, we're really beginning attacks here. And that swings folk over to their side, whatever politician it happens to be, whatever party. So, as I say, I'll put a bunch of stuff up tonight, and that's as far as I'll bother to prattle on about it today, because we certainly haven't got all the details yet. And also, too, it says here that um, the background check plan is defeated in major setback for the Senate uh, gun bill. And uh, that just came out today. It says the Senate Wednesday defeated a vital amendment seen as the linchpin to Democrats' gun control bill, dealing a major setback to President Obama as he campaigns to expand the federal background check system. And by the way, when you look into this background check system, it isn't just for gun dealers. Uh, they've actually got a whole bunch for private corporations to look into, all kinds of corporations to look into your backgrounds and actually get lots and lots of data about you. Uh, so uh, it's been defeated so far. So the vote was 50-40-46, with supporters falling six votes short of the required 60-vote threshold. But, however, the Senate is proceeding to several other amendments, but the failure uh, of the background check proposal authored by Senators Joe Manchin uh, from Virginia and Pat Toomey uh, imperils entire legislation. The proposal would have expanded background checks to gun shows and Internet sales while exempting personal transactions. The amendment was aimed at winning over reluctant conservatives who were opposed to the more stringent background check plans an existing bill. Sankey, where supporters will go from here, they could try to vote again or craft an alternative piece of legislation, and four Republicans voted for the amendment. But the fact is, 
what they do is they chip it away a bit at a time, and then there's something else that can happen again, and they bring out another bill, and chip, and just chip it one thing at a time. If you read the articles I mentioned last year on uh, from Australia, uh, and of course the Australian hands had a big anti-firearm movement, and um, they actually advised the U.S. on how to implement it stage by stage, and just take one thing away at a time until there's nothing left at all. So it's, a, it's an old formula, as I say, and uh, that's how they do things. That's how it's done. Also tonight, <laughs> it, it, it seems to get, get really pushed to the back burner. It's very, very important because you understand this whole climate change thing was an attempt, a social and political attempt to change all our lives and, and put us all under control of big governments and big corporations across the whole planet. Literally, to blame humanity for killing itself off, for breathing, you know, and, and existing. Uh, and of course, the answer to all is massive taxation. Like that's going to fix anything. What's a con, folks? What's a con? And the big bankers are in on the scam because they're, they're in for all the big carbon credits and energy taxes that will be also brought up down the roads where everything that you purchase has the taxes added onto it, including the wrappers of candies how much energy it took to make this wrapper is going to be added on to the price and you're going to pay for it all. And, and they, they see this as a great extra massive tax that's going to be used uh, supposedly to help third world countries. Not at all. It's nothing to do with helping third world countries. It's for the big boys at the top. You're living in an age of winners and losers. And I really mean that, winners and losers. There's never been such an age of plunder in the history of humanity. Open plunder. From, from banks and the IMF and the World Bank and the Bank for International Settlements, all set up by one organization, the Royal Institute of International Affairs, which is a private club. Private club. The same organization that's put in every prime minister, whether it's left wing, right wing, has sent for a hundred years. And the same in the US, with its branch there, the Council on Foreign Relations. And their own historian of their own archives said that in his book, Professor Carl Quigley. So these boys uh, run a private club. Uh, so they put their own boys into politics. They put them into bureaucratic positions and ambassador positions, etc. And they run the media because all the big owners of the media all belong to this club. And so you're really being managed perfectly well. Most folk are oblivious, as I say. Most folk quite like the way that they live. They like the trash on television because it really is degrading and you can get addicted to degrading stuff. All, all senses, or if you overblow the senses of any kind, whether it's eating or whatever, or sex, you end up in a massive lot of trouble, and pretty dumb and stupid, and you will suffer from it. And they know this too, but also makes you very easy to manage by those in charge of society. Now, here's another article that came out, it says, New Discovery, it says, NASA, you know, the, the NASA study uh, proves that carbon dioxide actually cools the atmosphere. All this time that they'll be on about the carbon dioxide rising. And by the way, it's a trace gas. It's, it's tiny, it's minute. Uh, but uh, they keep pushing this as the, the problem because we breathe it out, you see. And uh, they want to tax you on it too. But the fact is, that it cools the atmosphere. It doesn't warm it at all. So the big uh, warming boys are back to the drawing board trying to find new things to, to blame. Which, is, of course, is always us, man-made global warming. Even though we've been cooling for years and years and years, facts don't matter with political and social agendas. Facts don't matter, and especially with the scientists who are all on board with this, because these scientists who are into this, they live on grants. Most of them would be unemployed 
if it wasn't for this big uh, global warming scam. At the moment, they're getting so much money from government, your tax money, they're living high on the hog, and massive grants are given to them as well. They've never had it so good. They're not going to give it up and get a real job, you understand? This is a very important political agenda, and it's awfully lucrative to too many parties. Too many parties. So I'll I'll put this up tonight, as I say. And also, tonight too, I'll mention the um, U.S. immigration policy. I'll put that up tonight too, with a PDF of uh, the whole new policy. It's quite uh, interesting to see what's going to happen. Now remember, years ago I mentioned Jack Zatali and his book Millennium. I'll mention that when I come back and go through a bit with you to refresh you what he said about America and the world. Back with more after this. Hi folks, we're back, cutting through the matrix, and Jack Satali, as I say, was a, he's up there at the United Nations, and he, he was the, basically the top man that advised, he was the Kissinger of France, you might say, and he advised all presidents, for, quite a few presidents for years and years. He was the top guy that made all big decisions, and he himself, working now at the United Nations, has put out different books, and one of them was called Millennium, uh, Winners and Losers in the Coming New World Order. And he talked about the massive immigration, multiculturalism that would get pushed across all the, the existing countries of Europe. Already had happened, of course, in the UK and elsewhere. And they're pushing the last ones in Denmark, and, or Sweden, I should say, and other countries and like that, to, to basically eliminate the original cultures that were predominantly for a long, long time. And that's the job of it, too. And uh, he also mentioned that the next boat people would be Americans leaving the shores looking for jobs overseas. Now, that's already happening. It's happening in Britain, too. It has happened in Britain since about 2000, maybe before that, too, actually, with the EU. And the creme de la creme, as he said, Natalia said, well, can move across the world looking for the best jobs. The rest of them are stuck back in their homelands uh, with either menial jobs or no work at all. And this is the future that he promoted and he thought was just swell and wonderful. So uh, you have to understand that everyone's got their, their particular shtick to push, and th- that was uh, Jack Satali. You can look him up too in Wikipedia, you'll find a lot more about him, because he, he also belongs to other organizations as well that pushed all of these agendas. But also getting back to the to the, the immigration policy for the U.S., it says here, this is from the Council on Foreign Relations, again, this private organization, which is a, simply a branch of the Royal Institute of International Affairs, private organization that runs Britain, and they, this is from Jeb Bush, it says here too, uh, who's on this board, it says, to do with immigration for the Council on Foreign Relations. It says, the continued failure to devise and implement a sound and sustainable immigration policy threatens to weaken America's economy, jeopardize its diplomacy, and imperil its national security, concludes a new Council on Foreign Relations independent task force, co-chaired by former Florida Governor Jeb Bush and former White House Chief of Staff Thomas Mac McClarty. It says the stakes are too high to fail, and it says if the U.S. continues to mishandle its immigration policy, it will damage one of its vital underpinnings of American prosperity and security, and could condemn the country to a long, slow decline in its status in the world. So it urges that the U.S. needs a fundamental overhaul of immigration laws. 
and it says uh, they contend that America has reaped tremendous benefits from opening its doors to immigrants as well as to students, skilled employees and others who may only live in the country for short periods of time. But it warns that the continued inability of the U.S. to develop and enforce a workable system of immigration laws threatens to undermine these achievements. So, now, all that is true. All that worked for an awful long time. The people became American in those days. And again, for many, many years now, from the CFR and all the other groups that helped run the government and actually run the government, they, they, they tell all the immigration groups to keep their culture. And they end up having blocks of people, even cities in Britain, run by different cultures. And they don't want to mix. It's, it's a shame and it's a pity. But uh, it destroys the original culture, and that's part of the function of it, too. And all this was discussed before I mentioned at the end of World War II with the groups that came over and settled in the U.S. and in Britain and they were authorized to help shape policy for the future so as you wouldn't get a repeat of World War II starting off in those particular countries that opposed Hitler and they'd become like Hitler according to, to, to the Frankfurt School and others that were authorized to do this. So multiculturalism is a way to destroy original cultures. That's the bottom line, folks. And they said it quite openly and blatantly too. There's no secret about this. And also, the, the House in the U.S. is to vote on the controversial CISPA, C-I-S-P-A, again, to do with uh, the Internet and so on. It says, uh, though the Cyber Intelligence Sharing and Protection Act, CISPA, managed to be defeated in Congress last year, it has been reintroduced and scheduled for a vote in the House of Reps this week. So Mason put a ram through when everyone's uh, really um, watching this whole thing with Boston and, and carrying on about it. This is the authors of the bill and its representatives, Mike Rogers and Dutch uh, Ruppersberger, from, and it says, introduce a revised version of the bill in February despite opposition from privacy advocates. The, the primary purpose of CISPA is to encourage intelligence sharing so as to address potential cyber threats, but CISPA does little to the de- detail which information on cyber threats may be shared. As a result, anything from emails to medical records could be shared with intelligence agencies. And Harvey Anderson of Mozilla, an opponent to the bill, says CISPA creates a black hole through which the government can access any kind of data at once. In its current form, CISPA allows Internet and other companies to be exempt of all liability if they open their databases with confidential customer information to the feds and other private sector firms. As noted by CNET, CISPA is controversial for a variety of reasons, including that it overrules all existing federal and state laws by saying notwithstanding any other provision of law, including a privacy policy or terms of service agreement, companies may share certain confidential customer information with any other entity, including the federal government. Last year, despite threats of a prudential veto and heavy opposition, the House led by former Rep. Ron Paul, it says, and Representative Jared Paulus, it says CISPA managed to pass in the House of Reps by a vote of 248 to 168, but did not receive a vote in the Senate as as a result of the struggle over Democratic back bill that had privacy problems of its own. So it was reintroduced this year as a result of a reported increase of cyber attacks by Iran, oh yeah, sure, and China that has compelled President Obama to call for legislation to stop the attacks. So it says Congress must act, Obama said during his 2013 State of the Union address, by passing legislation to give the government a greater capacity to secure our networks and deter attacks. So in other words, give up all privacy and freedoms and rights. And government is supreme. It's called totalitarianism, isn't it? Back with more after this. 
You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. Hi, folks. I'm back cutting through the matrix and, and talking about the cybersecurity bills and where it's all supposed to go. And it's supposed to go in this direction of totalitarian control because the whole point of the computer was not to, to really help the folk out uh, around the world. It was to make sure that those who already controlled a system that was used by DARPA during the Cold War uh, would, would really enslave the rest of the populations. They get hooked on it like they got hooked on television, and, it's, and it really did work very quickly because they put lots and lots of porn on. That's the only thing you heard about in the 80s. And, and, and Britain, across Europe, and, and the US, Canada, and so on. Lots of porn in it. Even if you didn't have a computer, they kept telling you every day there's lots of porn there. And of course, all the youngsters were going into it. And then they brought the computers into the libraries. And the library that I used to go to, too, were, were, were crowded at, at lunchtime with young children. And I'd ask them, the librarians, what they were doing, and they're looking at all the porn. So, you see, they can use these things to, to, and of course they can't stop it, they say, they can't stop the porn, but of course, well, think for yourselves, folks. You know, think for yourselves. They can, they can knock out any site they want to with a cyber warfare. Anyone at all, I should know if it had happened here. But the fact is, uh, that they can't do it with, with porn sites because they need it there, you see. You're meant to get degraded, dysfunctional, and so on. And it's worked awfully well with the fallout in society in all countries that have got it. But again, back to cybersecurity and so on, and the, the fact that your whole world and your whole future is to be decided by by governments uh, talking directly down to you, like the 1984 uh, Orwell's story, and um, and eventually, of course, they're already pushing that too. Even in Canada, they're talking about giving everyone a a little uh, driver you can pop in, and it'll connect you with your account with the government, and then it'll be all your different things that'll happen through government to you directly directly, daily even. And that's what they want, power over you directly. Induce an awful lot of fear in people too. Until eventually you're jumping at orders coming every day from the internet to your home. And it's a digital tyranny. And that's what uh, I think John Pilger called it that too, a digital tyranny. It's definitely designed to be that way. And all designed again by the big governments and the big corporations that help run it. I understand most of the big corporations were set up a long time ago by the same guys who set up the Royal of International Affairs, CFR. They set up real companies and corporations like the CIA. And the CIA has lots of real but front companies that really do produce things. They're into all the big organizations that make electronics across the world. always have been. And they sell real things to the public as well. But do you vote them in? Of course you don't. You don't vote them in at all. So why does IBM, that's bringing in this world grid, get the power to do so? Did you vote for them to do this? Did you vote for them to get a smart meter put in? Or did the government come out and tell the public, oh, by the way, we've made deals with this private massive corporation, this mammoth to, to monitor all your electricity use and all the rest of it. Of course you didn't. And you keep saying you're living in democracy. I don't know where you get that from. So getting back to cybersecurity, the IBM executives lobby group, right, head to Washington to press lawmakers on the cybersecurity bill. So nearly 200 senior IBM executives are flying into Washington to press for the passage of the controversial cybersecurity bill that will come up for a vote in the House this week. 
The IBM executives will pound the pavement on Capitol Hill Monday and Tuesday, holding nearly 300 meetings with lawmakers and staff. Over the course of these two days, their mission is to convince lawmakers to back a bill that's intended to make it easier for industry and government, meaning themselves and government, to share information about cyber threats with each other in real time. We're going to put our shoe leather where our mouth is, says Chris Padilla, meaning their money, because uh, everybody gets paid off. Vice President of Government Affairs IBM told The Hill, the message we're going to give lawmakers is going to be a very simple, clear message, support the passage of CISPA, he later added. The Cyber Intelligence Sharing and Protection Act, or CISPA, by House Intelligence Committee Chairman Mike Rogers and Ranking Member Dutch Rappersberger, uh, passed out of committee on an 18-2 vote last Wednesday and expected to come to the floor in a vote as soon as midweek. While the whole the bill enjoys a strong backing from industry, privacy advocates warn the bill lacks sufficient protections for people's information online. And the White House issued a veto threat against the first iteration of CISPA last year, due in part to privacy concerns. Well, see, the more terrorism they give you and the more fear they give you, the more folk will accept, well, I guess they, we can have no privacy. Remember, when 2011 happened, at the very night, all the mainstream media and the AM talk show hosts across the world were on about it right away saying, well, you, and, and doing their own polls, will you give up your, your freedoms for safety? All of them. It all arranged that way that they all came out and did at the same time too. They always do it when the emotion runs high and folk don't think. So here you have IBM. As I say, the, the organization is, is really going to help control all of your lives across the whole planet with a global grid system. Right down to your little house. And giving you little warnings too about using too much electricity. Or just cutting you off if they say we need dialysis somewhere else. And they're going to do it too. And as they get more and more expensive, they'll give you less and less and less of it. Remember, energy is to be rationed in the future. And you'll pay. They won't lose out on that because for the, for the little bit they will give you, you're going to pay about 10 times, 20 times more. Probably even more than that. We're all slaves, you understand. And also the article I mentioned last night in the news again today from Britain it says, is the NSA building an $800 million data center to spy on Americans? And the Utah, Utah Desert Facility Code named uh, Bumble Hive will monitor emails of the U.S. citizens. So here we are talking about, well, they pass this, but, and they're already building the, all, the, all the different organizations and systems to do it anyway, which they've been doing all along. So the National Security Agency insists the site will operate according to laws that limit spying on U.S. citizens. What laws? What laws? They've already said that the anything that's free-floating, basically, in the Ethernet is fair game. When they're just looking or sniffing, they call it. When they're just sniffing and it happens to fall in their lap, then it's theirs. Right? And it says the U.S. government operated a secret warrantless wiretapping program between 2001 and 2005. Like, they haven't stopped. They've stopped it now, have they? Really? So it says that the state-of-the-art data center in Utah Desert, codenamed Bumblehive, is intended to bolster online security efforts. But former employees said it could be used to monitor people's private emails. Well, of course it is. We're all getting monitored. And the U.S. National Security Agency, the secretive body that serves the military and intelligence communities, denied the claims. Of course it will. It said many unfounded allegations have been made about the planned activities of the Utah data center. 
And it's one of the biggest misconceptions about NSA is that we are unlawfully listening in on or reading emails of U.S. citizens. It's simply not the case. As I said before, they've already said themselves, if they can sniff stuff going through the Ethernet, then it's fair game. We're not really looking for that particular one, but it fell into our laps. That's been, that's been already said that that's, that's legal. So Fox News aired a, contra- a television report about the one million square foot of facility on Friday, in which the former NEC employees raised concerns the facility be used to monitor emails of citizens. And it added that one of the biggest misconceptions is that they're all unlawful. This keeps repeating itself. All wiretapping on U.S. citizens by the NSA requires a warrant from a three-judge court set up under the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act passed 1978. Then former President George Bush issued an executive order shortly after 9-11 attacks, 2001, and it says that they're authorized the NSA to monitor certain phone calls without obtaining a warrant. The warrantless wiretapping program remained a secret until 2005 when a whistleblower went to the press to reveal the extent of the surveillance. Although the NSA had strenuously denied acting beyond its surveillance powers, uh, groups such as the American Civil Liberties Union have warned that a bill currently passing Congress could dramatically increase the amount of personal data that government agencies have legal access to. I understand all that they're prattling about is nonsense because they've been doing it all along. All the agencies have, by the way. And nothing's private. I hope you get understood. Nothing is private at all. Some folks still haven't got that through their heads yet. There's nothing in, in the Ethernet. There's nothing by using a. There's nothing. No conversation that's private anymore. I hope you really understand that. Most folk don't actually. It's like when someone's phoning you and start prattling on about things maybe they shouldn't be telling you. I always mention to them, understand it's a third year. On every conversation. Because you see, they, they forget. And, and again, Marshall McLuhan talked about this a long time ago, the 1960s, about this coming phase of, of uh, basically disembodied souls going through the, an, an Ethernet electricity. Uh, and they would forget, they would forget that the, people's not, the person's not sitting next to them having a cup of tea or a coffee and chatting. They forget that. People do it just instinctively. And that's what all these agencies count on. Even if you warn them at the beginning, they'll forget it partway through the conversation. We're such studied little creatures, it's just astonishing. We truly are studied minutely. A little bit of trivia here in a sense, but expensive trivia, is to show you that uh, in this age of, of the elevation of police and security and so on, as they get into their, their, their TV and movie status, because it's true, they're all, they're all acting like actors now, uh, in an age of terrorism, uh, and uh, the New South Wales in Australia, please get a Porsche, a $200,000 Porsche. Is it to catch anybody? No, it's to go to certain organizations with and put on display. $200,000. Every spending your cash like you wouldn't believe. I'll put this up tonight too if you want to have a peek at this thing. But as I say, it's not going to be used for, it's going to be used for just community liaison, you know, with the crime. So they go to little, little talks with the public and park it and they all admire it and say, gee, wow, you know, I wish I'd one of them. Also, nuclear matters, it says update on nuclear emergency evacuation planning in the U.S. And it says FEMA contracted a company named KLD to develop the software to formulate evacuation traffic management planning for 10 mile radius around nuclear power stations. 
These plans first uh, get approved by the KLD and the power station owner, uh, Entergy in the case of the Pilgrim Nuclear Power Station Plymouth, then by FEMA, and are then passed along to the state emergency management agencies for final approval. This is in, in this state, this is a Massachusetts Emergency Management Agency for Pilgrim. It says currently the plans developed in 2004 in place and are being updated with the 2010 census data. They're still being updated. But emergency management directors, and it mentions all the different counties and so on, got together to, to review and comment on the plans. And it's not a bad article, actually. It tells you this is happening across the whole of America, these big, big uh, practices. I think there was one in the States, actually, on the day that the bombing went up as well. A big one was going on there, too. Now, for those who really believe, I mean, I, I can't fathom that the, the people on the left are all there to protect the workers and all that nonsense that they come out with at election time, and still believe in this myth, you know, it's just astonishing. But this shows you, reality always tells you the truth. Most folk forget reality because propaganda works better. And it says, Obama administration quietly smothers a rule to protect workers. And it says, construction workers uh, breathe it. So do road crews and miners and workers in foundries, quarries, glass making, sandblasting and hydraulic fracturing. It's known as crystalline silica. It's uh, present in sand, rock, brick, and concrete, and it's said to make up 12% of the Earth's crust, but breathed in as dust in quantity and over time. Crystalline silica can cause a host of occupational lung diseases, including silicosis, pulmonary tuberculosis, and lung cancer. This is with silica, the biggest threat isn't the stuff that you see, it's the stuff you can't see, explains Sean Lenzowski. This is coordinator of the Oregon and Southwest Washington Mason Trades Joint Apprenticeship and Trading Committee. This is the particles are so small that when you breathe them in, they cut your lung tissue and cause tiny scars in the lung. Over time, the scars build up and your lung capacity is depleted. And you had pneumoconiosis too in, in the, the coal mines in Britain. And for years and years, they denied it existed till long after they closed down all the mines when Thatcher was in. And uh, long, long after that, as the guys were all dying off, the last of them, they admitted that it was real. Before that, they said, no, it didn't exist. So anyway... Obama's put that off the off the map, and uh, it's going to continue as usual. They're hoping to get new standards made for it and so on, but uh, nope, not for you lots. You're not worth much, you see. That's just it. That's how politics is, you know, real politics. And it's his Pentagon budget request sticks with Obama's priorities and ignores the deficit uh, law. It says that the Defense Department's two th- billion dollar spending request for fiscal 2004 unveiled sticks closely to the military priorities that President Obama enunciated last year despite non-stop partisan bickering. And it says the proposed military budget exceeds spending caps established in the 2011 Budget Control Act by $50 billion, setting up a showdown between Democrats and Republicans or whether they change the law or accept another year of disruptive setbacks to military readiness. It so far suggests, uh, it says there's no sizable constituency in the political system for big defense cuts, despite the fact that current federal budget plans require about $2 billion in new borrowing per day. Per day. That's new borrowing in fiscal 2014. It says, um, it goes through the whole, the whole thing and how much all the different organizations and parts of the military get. It's just incredible. 
It says, so the army's, the army's base budget is about 130 billion. The air force is about 140 billion. And the navy's around 150 billion. With an additional 100 billion set aside for defense-wide functions such as healthcare and logistics. The administration has not changed its plans to maintain the current force of aircraft carriers and other warships in marked contrast to its early years and has strengthened its commitment to, to the next generation weapons programs such as the tri-service F-35 fighter. Air power and sea power are central to its plans for preserving U.S. presence in the Pacific. But it's just, and that's only a little bit of it. It's not all the, the rest of it going into research and development and so on. It's just incredible how, and you wonder why you're broke. Never mind the fact you're throwing money across the world under various guises, supposedly under redistribution of the, the taxpayers' wealth, uh, to help poor, poor countries that, that don't get any help at all. It goes to corporations, international corporations. Astonishing, eh? Astonishing. And the Philadelphia doctor that, that was, that had the, <laughs> the mess of a surgery where he did lots of abortions, it says here, is being tried on the baby murder case. Dr. Kermit Gosnell was in the interview in the, the he was interviewed with the Daily, uh, the Philadelphia Daily News at the attorney's office in Philadelphia. And it says, um, the FBI originally raided the clinic in February 2010 to investigate Dr. Gosnell's high volume distribution of painkillers allegedly to, to addicts and drug dealers. And it says, amongst the witnesses called during the prosecution's case were eight former employees who pleaded guilty, some to third degree murder. They've testified to performing ultrasound scans, giving intravenous drugs, and helping with abortions, even though they lacked medical training or certification. Unlicensed doctor Stefan Massoff testified that Dr. Gosnell taught him to cut the necks of the fetuses after they were aborted to ensure they died. Another former employee, Ashley Baldwin, said she'd begun assisting with abortions, including administering drugs shortly after she started working there, aged 15. Age 15. Through a trainee program. Slaughtering children at 15, eh? Back with more after this break. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt, cutting through the matrix, talking about this uh, incredible, well it's only one of many of course abortion clinics, I'm sure in the same condition, but this particular doctor uh, was doing 1,000 abortions a year, he had untrained staff, and one of his young was 15, and he hired relatives too, they weren't trained, and they also had, had another doctor working that was disbarred from working. So he it says he he was found in the raid at his home in a poor area of Philadelphia. He had two hundred and fifty thousand dollars cash there too, because apparently he was dishing a lot of drugs as well. I mean, this is quite the character of this guy altogether. I'll put this article up tonight for those who want to see it. The respectability of the slaughter clinic. Eh? And Obama wants more funds to upgrade U.S. atomic weapons arsenal, it says. This is the guy who got the Peace Prize member for fighting weapons of mass destruction. But uh, again, like all politicians, he does what he's told by his advisors, and they all come from the same school and actually are more related than just that. But anyway, it says U.S. Barack, uh, President Barack Obama has reportedly requested more funding to further upgrade American nuclear weapons at the cost of reduced spending on nuclear non-proliferation measures, which it demands from other nations. 
the Obama administration's funding request for continued modernization of its atomic arsenal has been included in its 2014 federal budget proposal released Wednesday, according to a report in U.S.-based Foreign Policy magazine. This is the Obama administration's plan to further modernize American nuclear weapons comes nearly four years after the U.S. president received the Nobel Peace Prize in 2009 for the promotion of nuclear non-proliferation. <laughs> you trust this man on anything, eh? It doesn't matter to folk who are really stuck into the left-right paradigm. It really doesn't matter what happens. You know, they, they're just completely, that's it. Despite massive cuts in public spending needing some defense department programs on the new budget proposal, funding for U.S. Energy Department's nuclear arms-related programs will increase by nearly 7% or about $500 million, according to the report, which cited American officials that spoke on the conditions of anonymity. That's the insiders, in other words. And Britain, the protesters, no wonder, I mean, apart from the fact, that, again, you've got the left-wing, right-wing paradigms, you have the protesters complaining at the £10 million, I think it is, cost of Margaret Thatcher's funeral. It's one of these grand send-off things that they give to their top people. And uh, in a country that's been broke for years, it's no wonder they're complaining, mind you. Uh, but mind you, the £10 million, I suppose, is nothing to the, to the, the billions they're throwing into the black hole to save Europe. Uh, by borrowing money from the international banking families and and then throwing them in the black hole and adding to their debts on the taxpayer. Because that's who pays it off, isn't it? Always. And also Rockefeller, Senator Rockefeller, wants to add media violence study to the gun bill as well. And it says that uh, the Violent Content Research Amendment of 2013 mirrors the bill he introduced in January that directs the Federal Trade Commission Communications Commission and Department of Health and Human Services to work with the National Academy of Sciences to determine whether there's a connection between the exposure to violent video games and programs and harmful effects on children. Now, they've done thousands of these uh, these, these, these uh, studies before. Uh, years and years ago, I gave talks on the air about the, the reports that came out from the military itself saying that the, the, the video games were designed to, to basically get soldiers to kill with Pavlovian responses, were desensitized. Well, they gave it to all the children because they wanted an army 20, 25 years later or so to go off and fight all these wars they had planned. Everything works that way, long-term planning, folks. That's how governments really work and those who own governments, which is not the public. The future belongs to them because you must always control it and direct it, geopolitics and so on. From Hamish from South Ontario, Canada, it's good night to me, your God, or your God's school with you.